Nick, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast here today. And for the people who don't know you very well, let's get into a little bit of your background. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's start with, you know, where were you born? What was your upbringing like? Yeah, first off, thanks for having me. Of course. Happy to be here. Um, born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. I had an unbelievable upbringing. Um, didn't come from privilege, but my parents uh, loved us. They've been married for over 40 years. 1975, how long ago was that? It's a long time. It was a good... 40, I think 47. 25 plus 23, so 48, 47, 48 yeah. years. So yeah. parents were married since 75. I've got three siblings. I'm one of four. It was awesome because we just grew up with a lot of love, we, um, a lot of discipline. My dad was more of a disciplinarian. My mom was, you know, more lenient. Yeah. So they had, like, that good, good, good cop, cop, bad cop, cop role. <laughs> um, yeah. But we, we had a really busy family. Um, my dad worked all the time. He's a retired nurse. My mom worked, was a full-time, she she always worked as well. So I had two parents that were married and both worked full-time. And then it goes my older sister, my older brother, me, and then my youngest sister. So we always play a sport every season. Yep. So between two working full, you know, full-time parents plus four kids, always doing a sport, it was just busy. Um, didn't have a big house. Rarely, rarely, I could count on one hand, how many vacations we went on. Yeah. But we, we didn't, I mean, I think we had, uh, t- our house was like 1,200 square feet. Yeah. Growing up, which is pretty fucking small if you yeah. got four kids and two parents. For sure. Um, but, but it was awesome, though, because we just grew up with a lot of, like, love. And we were taught, you know, put family first, respect each other, love each other, work. Yeah. You know, like, no excuses. Yeah. And I think the, the roles that my parents played contributed to us, like, being, like, good producing members of society. I'm not here to say my my siblings and I are better or worse than anyone, but I I feel like we contribute to society. My brothers, my sister is a CRNA. Yeah. She's uh, pursuing getting her doctorate, I think, soon. My brother is a retired Marine Corps pilot. He works for the government right now. I can't disclose what he does. Yeah. Um, And my younger sister uh, manages like a five-star salon in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and they all are married, beautiful families, beautiful kids. So, like, I, I feel like we contribute to society. For sure. And it's definitely contributed to our parents and the way that we were raised, for sure. So it's extremely lucky. That's awesome. On all ends. That's awesome. Yeah. And so once you started working, what are, like, some of the first work experiences that you had growing yeah. up working? I had so many jobs, but when you say that, the things that first stick in mind are catting was my first job. I was yeah. 12 or 13 years old. That was, like, my first, like, job. Um after caddying, I, I like it like unleashed the floodgates. I did a ton of things. I worked. My best friend's mom at the time owned a beauty supply store. I worked at a beauty supply store. Yeah. I worked at Abercrombie and Fitch. I was a personal trainer. I worked construction in the union in Cleveland as a carpenter. I was the worst carpenter ever. <laughs> um, I was so bad. Yeah. Um, what else did I do? Uh, camp counselor. That was a fun job. Yeah. Uh, made pizzas. At a town restaurant, one of my favorites in Cleveland. Yeah. Did the dishes at that same restaurant. I did the dishes first, and I got promoted to making the pizza. So those are like six jobs. I think I just rambled off that stick out. But I remember catting was the first job, and that was a really good. I think that was a phenomenal job. Yeah. Out of the gates yeah. as a young kid because of what it teaches. I mean, you're pretty much someone's. You're like someone's bitch you for like can five say hours. That. I was gonna say you yeah. can say bitch. It's okay. Yeah, you're like someone's bitch for like five hours, and you know I'm young, and it's not like. Uh, happy fun job i mean cleveland summers are pretty hot yeah um i'm i'm carrying two bags um and if someone's like not like overly like nice that you're caddying for like it's not like a fun job the country club i first caddied at everyone was cheap so like it wasn't great money but it was better than what the alternative was yeah but again it's like you got you have to pay attention to Mm -hmm. detail right and so little things on the golf course and i just started golfing pretty active in the last two years and you got to pay attention to details so like as a caddy like just a little like etiquette yeah goes a long way and then looking at someone when you're talking to them getting constructive criticism listening like it just i thought it was really good yeah. folks you to be disciplined but i keep saying this you got to pay attention to detail a lot for Don't sure step in the line you know always make sure you ask certain questions every single time they show just little stuff like that yeah so that was cool well i mean working like service industry and service-based jobs like that, I think that definitely sets you up to be ready to work in sales and be ready to run a company someday. Because if you don't learn those foundational skills, yeah. you're not going to be good at that shit. 
So yeah, I totally agree. And yeah. it's it's I'm not here to say it's tough, but the narrative is always changing. Yeah, where it's we we live in my opinion, it's a very like confused society from the perspective of like we're constantly being taught completely opposite like spectrums. Yeah, right. So like. We're taught as kids, like, don't talk to strangers. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. I'm saying don't talk to strangers is one of, like, the key components is that parents teach on to kids. Yeah. But then when you go into sales, all you fucking do is talk to strangers. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you do. Yeah. You make a living by cold calling people that you don't know. Yeah. You've never seen before. You never met before. And that's your livelihood. Yeah. So it's like, well, now what? Yeah. Right? I mean, look at the food pyramid. Like when I was a young kid, I mean, I turned 37 a couple days ago. When I was a young kid, the food pyramid is like practically opposite of what it is right now. Yeah. So like science is always evolving and stuff like that. But it's like the narrative is like always just so different. Yeah. And just, I don't know where I'm going with that. but <laughs> I hear you, man. Yeah. I hear you. So Well, I mean, for you, you started working. You learned quite a bit of experience working those, you know, yeah. those high school type of positions. Yeah. What was the first one that kind of led you in the direction that you're going in now? Fitness. Fitness. Um, I started working out uh, summer going into freshman year of high school to be on the football team. I found out in like 10 seconds I wasn't going to be good at football because <laughs> uh, the high school I went to, we were really good. Yeah. And But it was a requirement. It was non-negotiable that you worked out. So at least that sparked my interest towards lifting weights. And then that started my confidence. And then I started getting stronger. And then I started working harder. And then I started getting fulfillment out of going to the gym, consistently working out, consistently getting stronger, consistently getting results. Yeah. So then after high school, because I didn't get into college, I started working all those like crazy jobs that I just mentioned. All yeah. those jobs I mentioned were all within like a two two year span. And that's so, after high yeah, school? Yeah, yeah, between like junior high school and like, like between the age of like 16 and 19. Gotcha. That sparked my interest and passion towards fitness. And then after high school, I just went to be a, uh, during high school, I'm sorry, I started competing in powerlifting. So freshman year of high school, I bench pressed 135 pounds one time. Sophomore year of high school, I bench pressed 265 pounds one time. Junior year, I bench pressed 315 pounds, 315, 315 one time. And then I started competing. So when I started competing, I was approached from a close buddy of mine and he owned a private gym that was relatively close to my house and he offered to train me for free. So the first competition I did, I got disqualified on rural technicalities because I'd never done a competition before. Yeah. I didn't understand how it worked. And then after that first meet, I got disqualified. I started at this at my buddy's gym. He started training me. Then I just started just absolutely taking this passion towards powerlifting i started getting massive results because i was training with the best coaching the best training the best counsel and this is when things started to like really take a turn for my life in a positive direction i started breaking state records i started breaking national records and i broke a world bench press record when i was 18 years old damn drug-free powerlifting i bench pressed 401 pounds and i weighed 162 pounds damn so i'm 18 years old and i have this complete defining moment in my life i was training so hard i cared about it so hard i was never doing anything to jeopardize my results i was getting in the gym and that's what started my fitness journey yeah so i started the fitness journey as a personal trainer and then i started getting so much fulfillment out of helping people and then i started selling personal training then i started selling memberships then i was selling memberships and personal training then i started working at a big gym in louisville kentucky then I started consulting. So that's when it really just, I just kept working up the ladder of yeah. like just getting on a, selling on a bigger scale, Yeah. right? Selling memberships, my commission, average commission was $20. Selling personal training, my average commission was $200, Yeah. right? So I started working up the ladder and yeah. then I was consulting gyms. I lived in four states in four years and that's when I was able to like really like not perfect, but get better at like time management, yeah, training people, developing people while still selling, yeah, while still like training a team of people working with you or amongst you while still being the top producer, gotcha, and making an impact, like truly making impact. I would go into these privately owned gyms that were financially in the whole tens of thousands of dollars a month, and they'd be profiting tens of thousands of dollars within months that I was there because I would restructure the entire gym, yeah, and that's when I was just like. I'm on to something. I don't know what I'm on to, but I'm on to something. Yeah. And that's when I was like, I think I want to open up my, my own gym. Yeah. And then I started 
talking to some people about getting funding. I mean, this I'm like 24 at the time. Yeah, I've got four years of experience, five years of experience working in the fitness industry. I'm and I'm confident enough, no college degree, but what I had accomplished to own my own gym. And then the investments didn't work out, but it was all a blessing. <laughs> and then I moved to Dallas, Texas, for an opportunity to work for a roofing company. Yeah. We get into that, but the rest is yeah. history. So. <laughs> well, we will. Yeah. Well, somewhere in there, even though you're not, you know, doing anything with fitness anymore, aside from what you do personally, that sounds like fitness is really where you learned, you know, that growth mindset of, you know, if you can bench press this much and you keep working at it, you can grow. Mm -hmm. And then if you can start selling memberships, then you can start doing that on a much bigger scale. So it yeah. sounds like that's where you really got addicted to the. Uh, growing and making yeah. more money and getting bigger results, right? Yeah, absolutely. I got addicted to that whole process that you just said. Yeah. And there's one more thing, reading mannerisms, gotcha. body language, eye to eye contact, squaring your shoulders, how to ask the right questions, try to, to extract the information that you need. Yeah. Right. So when I was selling personal training, personal training is a very, first off, it's in person. Yeah. Right? I'm not selling personal training through a Zoom call or over the phone yeah. or through text messaging or emailing. I'm sitting down like this. Yeah. And I'm asking you a series of questions to extract the information that I need. Yeah. One thing about personal training and fitness in general, it's a very emotional decision. Yeah. So, for example, when I'm talking to Mr. or Mrs. Jones and I'm doing a personal training consultation, I'm asking questions like, what are your goals? Yeah. I want to lose 20 pounds. That's awesome. Why? Because I want to. Why? Because I really want to. Okay. How long have you wanted to lose 20 pounds? Um, probably five years now. All right. So if you look at what you're doing right now and if you continue what you're doing for the next year, are you going to be more likely to lose 20 pounds, maintain your weight or gain more weight? Probably gain more weight. Okay. So how long ago was it that you were 20 pounds lighter? Five years ago. Okay. What were you doing different? Oh, that was, that was BC before kid or you know, before children. Before, <laughs> yeah. Before children. Okay, so are you looking to make it a priority? Yes. So if you're looking to make a priority, it's like a regular conversation, but I'm still asking questions while yeah. I going to know you. And then you ask like closing questions like, what do you need? What could I help you with to get you from A to B? Yeah. To get you from here to losing 20 pounds, what do you need? I really need accountability. Okay, great. You just told me how to sell you. Yeah. What could I do to help you get A to B? I mean, I'm self-motivated. I'll hold myself accountable. I really need direction and nutrition. Got yeah. It. You just told me how to sell you. So when it's my turn to talk, all I'm going to talk about is nutrition. Yeah. If you need accountability, all I'm going to talk about is, you know what's great about personal trainers that they'll hold you accountable. And accountability can come in a lot of different aspects. It's confirming your session the night before. It's asking you how you're feeling the night before a workout and making sure that you eat oatmeal in the morning before, you know, yeah. an hour and a half before your workout session. Like accountability is whatever you tell us we could help you. But the great thing, you know, a benefit a personal trainer has is, we will give you the accountability that you need to get you to 20 yeah. pounds lighter. Well, you oh, learned... that's great because that's really what I need. I know it's what you need. You just told me that's yeah, what you need. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, like you learned right there, somewhere in there, you learned exactly what so many people struggle with in sales is that you got to understand what that person needs before mm -hmm. you can actually provide the solution. So how did you learn that? Were you... You figured that out on your own? Did you have somebody teaching you how to get good at sales there? My superior always in the fitness industry, they were always good at sales. Yeah. And so they would teach me their process. And just like anything else, I would just listen and listen and listen and listen and then tweak it to my own way. Gotcha. And then you fail and then you fail and then you fail and then you try and you try and you fail. So I the so whoever was my manager at whatever gym I was, they were always pretty good at sales, so I would just duplicate what they were doing. But you got to have the right attitude because yeah. it is so humbling just not being good at something. I yeah. mean, like my golf game. Like I'm telling you right now, at one point, I'll have a handicap of like I'll be shooting in like the low 80s. Yeah. But I'm probably like 10 years from that. Yeah. I mean, it's no exaggeration. So just I'll be 47 years old and be like, no, I used to be 20 strokes worse. Yeah. Like it's a process. But like if I – Stop playing golf. I'm not going to get better. Yeah. So and you've already you've already experienced that in in sales and in yeah. building your company. So you just you just know how that goes. Yeah. If you stay getting better, you're gonna get to that certain point. Yeah. You just got to stay committed to the end result and just know that like 
it's just part of the process. Yeah. Right. I had a bad day. Well, first off, that's all perspective, but like, it's just part of the process. Yeah. Like no one that ever has the great motivating story talks to a crowd of 5,000 people saying everything was super easy to me. Yeah. Everything got handed down to me. I never had to overcome any adversity. Yeah. And yeah, I was just always good at it. It's yeah. like your fucking story is boring, bro. Yeah. I was really bad. I tried a lot, had a lot of, you know, curveballs thrown my way, went through a lot of shit, was in really dark times, but I got myself out of it because I never stopped believing in myself. And here I am and I'm a multimillionaire. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. It's like, dude, what's your story? And yeah. that's it. So yeah, in sales, um, just like anything else, you just have to be so committed and yeah. result to know that like you, you just have to continue to fail your way to success. Yeah. I say that all the time. That's really all it so, is. Yeah. Well, for you, you know, after, after fitness, you were making pretty good money with that, but what, what was it that got you transitioned into roofing and construction? I got burned out of the fitness industry. Some things didn't go my way. Um, with the gym that I was working at. So I called up a kid that I grew up with in Cleveland, asked him what he was doing. And he was part owner of a roofing company in Dallas, Texas. Mm -hmm. So he told me to come and shadow the position. And I flew into Dallas, never been there before and just learned under like a top producing roofer. So yep. I did that for about a week and then we got hit with this catastrophic hailstorm. So it's the first, so I'm in a city I never been to before shadowing a position that I don't know nothing about. And then we get hit with a hailstorm, which I'd never seen hail. Yeah. <laughs> so I got a lot of things going on at a time where I was engaged at the time. And my daughter was less than a year old. Wow. So I got a whole lot going on in a short amount of time. And then I just decided to jump on the opportunity, work for that roofing company. I had surpassed all the sales guys in the company, which uh, there was there was around 30 rep. Like there was between... 26 and maybe 32 reps at the company at the time, which is fairly good size. Yeah. I was the number one salesman in less than a year. And as a token of gratitude, the guy, a former friend of mine, gifted me this Rolex. And I was just 10 times more invested in that company because I was finally going in the right direction of my life. I was doing pretty well. Like I was doing better financially. And I found out the next day that the Rolex was fake. What? And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I thought everything was going in the right direction. Everything was going fine. And I'm like, Jeez. this is what I get. That's crazy. And that was one of the defining moments where it inspired me <clears throat> to call my best friend and say, like, you're never going to believe what happened. Yep. So, like, what do we do now? Like, what should I do? Like, should I call him out? On, like, how do I handle this situation? And yep. he was just like, let's just start a roofing company. And I was like, <laughs> out of your fucking mind, dude. I'm not going to start a roofing company. Like, yeah. I know how to sell roofs, but... I don't know how to start a company. He's like, nah, you're you're starting to overthink the process. Yeah. Like a lot of sales guys do. Sure. Right. So you just do what you're good at, which yeah. is sales. I'll do what I'm good at, which is the operation side. And we're just gonna go one day at a time and we'll just figure it out. Yeah. That's what started Navy Roofing. My business partner isn't the sales guy. He is ex very intelligent. Yeah. Thinks with a completely different part of the brain that I do. We just, we're wired different, but yep. we are such a good team because we're so different because we both have an incredibly hard work ethic and such a respect and love for one another. And we're so different. Yeah. So we make a great team. You're yin and yang. We're, we are the epitome of yin and yang. Nice. Um, but he's like a brother to me. He is a brother to me. Wow. And that's the biggest thing is trust. You know, they did a study like with Navy SEALs, what they look for is that necessarily like the strongest, fastest guy or the most, you know, in, intellectual guy. Yeah. It, it really comes down to trust. And yeah. one of the Navy SEALs that I love listening to talks about when you could trust a guy with your woman and with your money, that's the epitome of having the utmost trust yeah. with someone. I completely My agree. best friend, my business partner, I would trust them if I had a wife and I trust them with my, I could give him my password to my online banking right now and say, Hey, can you yeah. go and, wire some money to this account, you know, for this investment. I can't do it for the next couple of days. My Wi-Fi is yep. bad. I like, and that goes to it. show, I mean, you, in the other situation, you were making great money. You were climbing the top of the sales charts yeah. and all that. But the moment that that guy violated your trust, it yeah. was like, what are we even doing here? Right. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, that moment where you were, you were climbing the sales charts, you were making great money. Everything was one day, everything was golden and you're on top of the world. Uh, what did that feel like? 
for to have somebody like you know violate your trust like that it felt shitty because like they're you know it's it's like that feeling of betrayal is just such a shitty feeling it's like you get in the pit of your stomach like you want to throw up yeah you know it's like finding out like your girl cheated on you it's just like it's just such a disgusting feeling knowing that like you felt like betrayed yeah but then i realized real quick no one feels sorry for you yeah like i could sit around and mope around but like bills got to be paid my daughter needs to get fed yeah my fiance at the time needs to get taken care of so i could do one of two things I could sit around and complain, which isn't going to benefit at all, or I could just get after it. So yeah. what am I going to get after it with? I don't know. Let me call Mike. Mike, That's here's what partner. happened. Yeah, I'm a business partner. Mike, here's what happened. All right, we'll start a company. All right, let's do it. I mean, yeah. I, it wasn't just like that, but it was pretty much how it ended. So it's just a be, like a disgusting feeling of betrayal, but like if that wouldn't have happened, we wouldn't have started New View. If we didn't start New View Roofing, I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah. And it's all part, it's all part of the process. So yeah. I look back at it and I mean, how could you not be grateful that shitty things had to happen to you for you to become the best version of yourself? Yeah. Well, I mean, if that, that's a nugget right there, if that guy, for sure, if that guy didn't show you his true colors, yeah. then who knows? You could still be working with them years and years and years later. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. Gladly he went out of business less than two years after I quit. So. Yeah, not surprising. <laughs> not surprising. Go. I'm sure he's still watching your success. I hope he wish is. And I, dish, I wish I got to. I just sprung for. That's actually a good statistic to know. How how much money could he be making today if he oh would have just sprung, sprung for the extra, what are these, 25 grand or so now? Yeah. If he just got you the real literally, one. Literally. Man. Yeah, I was making him. I did the numbers because, you know, when you look at the numbers when you – own a company like yeah. what what really is the overhead because you yeah. don't know as an employee um i would have made him profit anywhere between like on the low end four hundred thousand, on the high end like eight hundred thousand. yeah to a million i would I, on average i would make him 750 to a million in profit a year if Jeez. he would have just been loyal to me if he would have just Paid either either paid that or just not fucking got you a fake one yeah you know he could have just been like i appreciate everything you're doing all i can afford to give you is a thousand dollar bonus and you would have been like okay i can still trust you that's it you know so we structure the company around we have uh it's commission only for the roofing company um but we keep all the money in our sales guys my business partner and i we take such a minuscule cut of our overhead for the jobs because we leave all the money, extra, all the profit in the in the sales guys' yeah. hands. And if you look at our company track record, I mean, our guys are really good at what they do, but they're super loyal. Yeah. I mean, once once they come on board with us, they don't leave. Yeah. Like we've had like maybe three guys leave the company since we started over nine years ago. Wow. Well, that's the way they to do it. They ain't get paid anywhere, better anywhere else. That's the way to do it. And we take it, care man. of them. So, yeah. And, I mean, you learn that from coming up in sales. Yes. You learned, like, here's how I'd want to be treated as one of the sales reps, yes. as a top-performing yep. sales rep. So. Yeah, and that's why you got to start at the bottom. You want to own a restaurant, you got to start them up on the floors yeah. and doing the dishes and then learning the kitchen and the flow of everything. You don't just, like, you got to be well, well-rounded well owning yeah. a business. You got to, like, in roofing, like, you got to appreciate the guys that throw shingles on their back and hump it up the ladder just yep. as much as you appreciate, you know, the other aspects I think, of the business. So. I think so many people look at like they want to own something and they want to own a company, but they don't understand the value of that, of yeah. starting at the bottom anywhere and understanding the whole structure of the organization. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, my daughter, she's 12. She just turned 12 a couple weeks ago. I mean, she just did a lemonade stand. She did a lemonade stand with her best friend at the house last weekend and they did custom bracelets too. They made 200 bucks in like three hours. Yeah. And so she, like, she sees the process, yeah. right? And there's two, I just had this conversation with a friend, uh, with my friends yesterday in uh, Scottsdale, is we're talking about the process. Like if you grow up underprivileged, you get the benefit of learning, you have to grind and you have to work hard. Yeah. Nothing's gonna be given to you. You're not raised with a silver spoon, you gotta go out and get it. And that is a, I mean, that is worth its weight in gold to learn that process. Yeah. Now let's go to the opposite of the spectrum. Let's look at my child. She's not going to have to worry about getting a meal skipped. She'll always have a roof over her head. Yep. She's more than taken care of. If I told you her fucking Christmas, <laughs> it would be ridiculous. She yeah. got 
puppy. You got Aviator Nation now. This clothing brand just found out about that yeah. probably marks their stuff up 3,000%. Drop like 200 bucks on like a sweatshirt. Yeah. It's just, okay, but back to it. Yes, she is growing up with privilege. However, she gets exposed to the process. Yeah. She sees me work out twice a day, five days a week. She sees me on the phone talking to people, uh, listening to me talk to customers. Yeah. She sees how I conduct myself, how I'm disciplined, I'm regimented, I'm goal-oriented. She goes in my office and sees my goals that I write down, my, you know, my, my monthly calendar on a big dry erase board and how I'm you know, structured. Yeah. Well, that's something that's worth its weight in gold too. So you've got two different spectrums and there's a benefit to both of them. Yeah. That's the hardest part as a parent. The hardest part as a parent is how do you not have your kids struggle, but they got to skin their knees a little bit. Yeah. Right. Like you, if they're, that's the hard part. Well, I mean, is, you didn't, I, I get it. You didn't get to where you're at by having everything handed to you. Right. So you're trying to think, all right, well, how can I, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to make my daughter be broke to teach her a lesson, right. but how do I still instill these yeah. same values in her? Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, so it's a million dollar question. You don't yeah. got the answer to it, but <laughs> that's the thing about parenting yeah. is that you always do the most. You never think you're doing enough. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, what are some things that you do personally? I mean, you're running a over a hundred million dollar company mm -hmm. as a single father of your daughter's 12, you said. So yeah. what, what are some things that you do to balance being a single parent with running a company? Well, um, I mean, her mom's amazing. You know, we, her mom and I were married, you know, for a quick minute and we've been divorced for over nine years now. So her mom, her mom is, is awesome. And she is with her mom, like primarily, you know, yep. primarily. So I get Ariana, my daughter every other weekend. And then one night in the week, summers, we do week on week off. So really I, I don't have her like, you know, a whole lot. Uh, mm -hmm. But we FaceTime multiple times a day, talk yeah. all the time. She lives 40 minutes away from me. So it's, you know, we're, we're very, very like close net. Yeah. So a lot of the, uh, a lot of contribution has to go to my, her mom, because she's an awesome mom and she, and her and I are in alignment with how we raise her. Yeah. So I think that says a lot. And then other than that, you know, when I'm not with her, I don't have any, I have nothing else to do. Yeah. Right. Like. I have nowhere else to be other than focus on my work. Yeah. So that way when I am with her, I can not afford, but like, yeah, like I could justify taking a day or two off when I'm with my daughter. Yeah. Because when I'm not with her, I am going at it. I'm yeah. talking like super regimented, right? Yeah. Like there's no, like customers call me, well, how late can you take an appointment? As late as, as late as you late want. As you need. Yeah. Well, are you sure? How early can you be here? As early as you want. Yeah. It's like, if I'm not with her, I have no other, I have nothing else to do other than work. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, for you running a company, I mean, what are some of those daily habits that you do that really help you perform at a high level? I mean, as between being a father, running your company, yeah. I see you in the gym all the time. Yeah. I see you doing so many different things. So people are probably thinking, how the fuck does this guy yeah. do all of it? So yeah. what are some daily habits that help keep you balanced and energized and performing at a high level like that. Yeah. I live off of my calendar, my iPhone. Yeah. So it's to the point now where let's say for example, tomorrow morning, I don't have not one appointment. Yeah. I, I just, it's a rare day where I just don't have one appointment. I will literally go in my calendar and I will just start booking stuff every hour on the hour. So I wake up with like that sense of purpose. Yeah. Right. So let's say for, for example purposes real quick, if I have nothing tomorrow, um, I'm going to set my alarm for between seven and seven 30. I pick a random time. Yeah. I'm, weird, I'm weird like that. So I'm going to set my alarm for seven twelve AM and then I'll put in there seven twelve. wake up. I'll be like, okay, if I want to be knocking doors by 11 AM, you know, by 10 30, I count down from when I need to start knocking doors. So if I start knocking doors at 1030, I'll put in the calendar at 1030, knock doors. And I'll yep. put an address of where I'm going to knock. 10 a.m. If I need to be there by 1030, I need to leave the gym by 10. So I'll be leave gym. So I need to get to the gym by 8. So I need to wake up and be out of the house by 730, 745. Yeah. So just there. Oh, and then I'll knock from 1030 a.m. until noon. I'll stop and grab a coffee. And then I'll go lift. Yeah at one thirty with my buddies. So you basically and then I'll pick, knock 
Go ahead. No, and and I will literally do that for the whole day. So that's one thing to answer your question. Yeah. How I stay on it. My morning, it sets the tone for the day. Yeah. If I sleep in till eight eight thirty nine, my day is all out of whack. I yeah. feel like I've lost half the day if I sleep until nine a.m. So I have to stay so structured to a point where I have to go in my iPhone and put all this in place. So yeah. now when I put it on place and then look at my calendar for tomorrow, I'm like, oh shit, I got I got a I got, I got a lot to, to do. do. Yeah. And that just happened like that. Yeah. In 20 seconds of me having, and that's if I have nothing. Yeah. If I have no appointments, <laughs> if I, which never happens. Yeah. So I pretty much just plug and chug and I just look at my calendar the so night you, before. You basically pick, all right, here's what time I have to start being productive. Yeah. Here's the first sales call or the first meeting. Yeah. And then you make sure that your morning routine fits in before that. It has to. My morning routine sets the tone for the day. Mind, body, soul. I do my affirmations, meditate, sit in the sauna, do cardio, do some core work in the morning. Just I just get my day just like it just like catapults me to having a super productive day. So I look at it like that's like my warm up. Yeah. Right. So like if you are the starting quarterback for an NFL football team and kickoff is Sunday at one PM, they don't get to the stadium at twelve forty five, put their pads on. No. Like I, I would love to see the routine, morning routine of an NFL player the morning of a game. Yeah. But I would imagine they're up by 7 or 8. And between 7 a.m. to kickoff, oh, my God. They're yeah. doing something every second. You're not just lounging around. For sure. They're warming up. They're doing a series of things. That's the approach that I take towards my day. Yeah. In sales, if I have a meeting or if I start knocking doors at 1030, I don't want to be warming up starting my warm-up process by when I knock doors in the morning. No. I'm calling family, friends, listening to podcasts, listening to, you know, the the money market, like the stock market in the morning and satellite radio. Like, I'm just stimulating my mind yeah. going into my first meeting or going into knocking doors. So it's not like I'm, like, dusting the cobwebs out, right? Yeah. Um, when I start knocking doors and the first person I talk to. For sure. So For sure. that's how I take it. So starting your day, you, you mentioned like mind, body, spirit yeah. and, and those sort of things. So what are, what's kind of the recipe for you for that perfect morning routine? What does that look like? I'll wake up, I'll immediately go to the gym and do some light cardio. And then I take a book that I'm reading, which is always something like about self-development or you know something inspirational to me. Yeah. And I read the book while I'm sitting in the sauna. Okay. So to me, that's kind of like multitasking a little bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah it's just sitting there, but still, it's do, the sauna do, is doing a lot for your body. Yeah. That's really lately. I'm on like a kick. I used to go running between two to maybe two and a half miles every morning, like yeah. five mornings a week. Yeah. Um, but, and I did that like all, all of last year. And then I just got like really bad shin splints. So I'm like, okay, well, then now like, this is going to mess with my mind. So how could I stimulate my mind just as much if I'm not getting that like runner's high yeah. in the morning? I started on this sauna kick. Yeah. So I still do light cardio in the morning, but I read an inspirational book in the sauna for 20, 25 minutes. And that catapults me to the day. Going. Yeah. And then I take a shower and I'm like, okay. Nice. Like I'm ready to attack the fucking day. But I'm so. sure you've kind of changed that routine yeah. over the years and stuff. Yeah. But you just you do make sure you do something that stimulates oh, yeah. your mind, something yeah. that stimulates your body. Oh yeah. I mean, I started the two day routine about six years ago. I just turned thirty seven, so I was like thirty thirty three. I was like thirty thirty one when I started my two days. But no matter what, I could tell you the phases that I went in. I mean, I was in a, in a phase for two years yeah. where I would literally just walk on an incline treadmill. I would take my iPhone out on the treadmill. I would go to YouTube and I would just type in motivational videos. Yeah. For two years, I would just do that. I would do a 30-minute incline walk. Okay, I would do that for two years. And I did a year on the Stairmaster for, you know. And then I started jogging. Just keep mixing it up. Keep mixing it up. But at the same time, doing something to stimulate my mind and body at the same time. Yeah. If I could listen to a motivational either podcast or music while I'm doing something physical, yeah, that takes my mind to a different hemisphere, yeah, in terms of just confidence and just getting my day going, yeah. And like, you just have to do something to just spark that, 
yeah like inner fire in you there's so. something about just doing both at the same time oh my uh, god getting it's, your head going and getting your body going it's like you're unstoppable yes yeah you li- you literally feel like you're limitless yeah like you're bradley cooper in the movie it's like there is nothing that you cannot do yeah yeah well i mean from there so you started this company with mm-hmm. your best friend yeah. who's still your business partner mm-hmm. and you know over Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like eight, nine years. Yeah. You grew this thing to over a hundred million a year. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Wow. So what was kind of that first year or two like of starting your company? How did you guys scale that quickly? The first year was just pretty much just me and him. I think we had one other guy that was more of like, you know, an apprentice for us in a way. Yeah. Um, and we didn't do like bad, but just like anything else, like trial and error. I mean, we're only as good. I mean, roofing is... It's like blocking and tackling, right? Yeah. You don't have need to be like a pediatric brain surgeon to figure out. So you got to get good materials. You got to deliver great workmanship. And you got to have great service. Yeah. That's like the roofing industry. Well, I'm the service. Yeah. Right? So how could I be of good service? Well, you got to be punctual. That helps. Uh, when the customer calls, you answer your phone. Yeah. When they text you, you reply in a timely manner. Yeah. Well, what's a timely manner? Within seconds. Right. Right away. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you put yourself on the other side of the table. Yeah. If you were getting your roof replaced, if there was 30, $20,000, $50,000 of construction being done in your home, yeah. how much more confident and comfortable would you feel if the contractor took 10 seconds to reply, 10 minutes to reply, an hour and a half to reply, a day to reply, 10 yeah. days to reply, right? Like yeah. you have to ask yourself the app, like, what it, what it's like outside looking in. Yeah. Okay, well, I take care of the service. The supplier takes care of the material. Make sure it gets delivered in time. And besides that, just, you know, overly communicate. Yeah. So we started the company, just me and him, learning a lot, trial and error. Second year, we brought on a couple guys. But the third year is when that, like, catapulted us. The third yeah. year is when we, like, 10 x We went from doing four roofs a week to eight roofs a day. Wow. That's third crazy. year. Third year in business was when we felt confident enough to move 10 guys. I don't know what the number was. It was eight or it was 11. So let's just say around 10 guys from Ohio to Dallas, Texas. I trained them on door knocking, yeah. getting acclimated to the process, structuring their day. Yeah. And by the grace of God, after training them for several months, we got hit with two back-to-back softball-sized hailstorms within five weeks of each other. Wow. So it's like, the epitome of the perfect storm. <laughs> we get 10 guys to move to Dallas, learn the process, train them on how to be self-sufficient, yeah. develop their book of business, and then we get these massive storms. Wow. So we did 18 million that third year in business. Wow. We, did, we were just shy of 20 million revenue. Ever since then, like we, so we didn't know how to scale. Yeah. Well, you figure, you got to figure yeah, it out. When, it, when the right. business is like knocking on your door right. and you're finally getting the business, you got to figure it out real quick. At no point does a customer call you saying, I have business for you, do you where you say, I'm sorry, I can't yeah, handle Yeah, there's no, you I'm too busy. It out. <laughs> you there, figure it out. There is no such thing. Yeah. So you learn how to do it real quick and real fast. Yeah. And if you're not disciplined, it's going to be a lot harder. Definitely. If you don't have the mental fortitude, it's going to be a lot harder. If you don't know how to pre-qualify people. Yeah. It's going to be a lot harder. So it's all a process. And just like how I always say, you got to fail your way to success. So we, I mean, we, we put in our time, we still put in our time now, but that third year in business is what like launched us to the next level. So, and so you've always run the sales and service side of the business. So when you bring on these new sales reps, you're, Mm -hmm. you're the one picking and training and really getting these guys up to speed, right? Yeah. And I'm sure sales is a massive part of what helped you guys scale to where you're at today. Yeah. So when you bring on a new sales rep, what are some of the most important like sales fundamentals that you want to instill in them? I think being open-minded and coachable is the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, you know, checking your ego out the door. Yeah. Whatever you did before this, I think that's great. Uh, it's a testament you know, to you and your work ethic, but it means absolutely nothing yeah. right now. So it's kind of like a del- it's kind of like counter like or what I'm I'm looking for. Um, I don't know what the phrase is. Yeah. Twenty two. But it's like if you if you accomplish a lot in the past, like nothing can compare to door to door sales. Yeah. If you haven't done door to door sales, so just keep an open mind and be coachable. But I never want to hear like 
okay. It, it's just a different beast. Yeah. Like, oh, I mean, my last job, we used to, yeah, yeah I don't I, give I, a I shit what you did at your last I, job. I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't. You could have sold, I don't know, ice to an Eskimo. Means yeah. Nothing with door-to-door sales. For so. sure. Yeah, I think being open-minded and coachable is the biggest thing. And the other thing, too, is, uh, and this is tough, and it's hard, and I've had, had some hard conversations with guys that I love and care about, but you got to pass the eye test. Yeah. Perspective, you know, is reality. So, like, yeah, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying it is what it is. Yeah. Right? So I'll ask people, you know, do you think, you know, styling your hair is important? I don't know. All right. Well, why don't you dye your hair purple tomorrow and show up? I'd never do that. Well, why no. not? Does, it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. What about your facial hair? How you groom yourself? What about the size of your shirt? I don't think the size of my shirt matters that much. All right. Well, what size are you? A large. All right. I want you to wear extra small tomorrow. Now I'd look like an idiot. So you do agree it makes a little bit of difference. Yeah. It makes the world of difference. Everything you say says everything about you. Yeah. Every The way you stand, the way you, the, the tone, the pitch in your voice, yeah. the way you look, you know, your How eyes. You there, there is a science behind door-to-door sales yeah right i mean i've had to do some goofy fucking things with mirroring customers but i mirror customers yeah i have had a guy stand on the wall with their hands folded i stand on the wall with my arms folded yeah guys sit back put their leg over their you know right you know they do one of these like i do the same thing yeah subconsciously they don't realize it but they it makes them feel more comfortable yeah you have to mirror customers look customers in the eyes but guys if you're just like the little things. You got to be open-minded me telling you this because it sounds stupid and corny, but there's a science. Yeah. If a guy is selling to a guy, you don't want to look at him and square your shoulders straight to him. You want to stand with a little bit of an angle. Yeah. If a guy is selling to a woman, it's the opposite, right? Hand placement is really big too, Yeah. right? Hand placement, typically you want in front of your hands to a woman. Why? Because it's more intimidating if you're talking to a woman with your hands behind your back because they don't know what's behind your back yeah could have a knife could have a gun could have whatever yeah right just little things like that for sure um you got to be really open-minded with door-to-door sales yeah from the way that you dress to the way that you groom yourself to the you know improving your your tone and pitch in your voice yeah there's a lot that goes into it so yeah. it takes a lot of doors yeah to learn the process but for it sure. works well i mean i've always felt like people learning how to do sales really well it also just preps them for how to really win at life. I mean, it teaches them how to be successful in all their relationships. So have you had that same experience? <laughs> not with the relationships. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not with those, but, you know, just in general. Yeah. What do you find, like, if you do a great job training That's one of your sales reps. Yeah. If you do a great job training one of your sales reps, yeah. what do you feel like that really prepares them for everything their life everything if you know how to sell you always have a job for the rest of your life you always have a job yeah when you do sales you got to build value and you got to create urgency build value here's a product that i have and here's why i know it'll help you yeah and here's when i want you to buy it so what's your urgency right do you want them to buy today you want them to buy tomorrow you want them to buy a month from now you want them to buy a year from now contingent on your sales ability that will improve the urgency behind the sale. Yeah. So you got to build value and create urgency. If you know how to do that in anything, yeah, you're gonna have a pretty easy. Your life is gonna be easier. Yeah. No life is easy, but it'll be easier if you know how to sell. Yeah. Something. And let me tell you something. Everyone's a fucking salesman. Yeah. Women are salesmen. Babies are salesmen. Toddlers are salesmen. Men are salesmen. Everyone's a salesman. People have this like stigma around like that title. And it's just hilarious to me. Yeah. I mean, you have a conversation with your wife. Hey, babe, what do you want to eat for night? What do you want to eat for dinner tonight? Uh, let's do sushi. Nah, we don't want to do sushi. Let's do Italian. No, nah, I want sushi. How about this? Go to Italian spot tonight, but I promise tomorrow we'll do sushi, and then let's go to our favorite ice cream spot tomorrow after we do sushi. All right, that's fine. I'll get the pasta tonight anyways. Got yeah. it. Well, you just sold her. Yeah. Hey, babe, I want this bag. Yeah. I'm not getting you the bag. Please. I'm not getting the bag. I got you two bags last year, and they were really expensive. I want this bag. Okay, how about this? How about I do this, this, and that, whatever that is? Yeah. And I get, all right, I'll get the bag. <laughs> like, listen, yeah. toddlers, there is no better salesman than a toddler. Yeah. They will whine. They will cry. They will yell. They will scream. They will stomp. They will do whatever yeah. until they get the toy, until they get the snack. Everyone's a salesman. Yeah. All right. A crackhead on the corner in the Vegas strip. Let me get a dollar. No. Let me get 50 cents. No. 
Let me get anything. Here's a, here's a quarter. Just go away. Yeah. At this point, just take this quarter and just go away. You just got sold. Got it. Everyone's a salesman. <laughs> it's just some are good at their craft and some are not. That's that's, that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, you know, now that you've built this successful company, I, I know that a lot of times what people ask me is, you know, oh, you've got all this money. So what are you investing into? What are you doing? It? What yeah. are you doing with all of it? So how about you? What are some things that you're putting your money into nowadays? The only investment that I do besides one, because I just partnered in a uh, like in a lounge, restaurant yeah. lounge concept in Dallas, mm-hmm. multifamily real estate. Multifamily I, real estate. I, I literally, Joe, I get my paycheck, I get my commission, get my cuts. When I have money going into my account, I literally put aside for my bills, put aside for some credit card, and then put a little bit aside for a rainy day. Yeah. And then it, I just pour everything I have into multifamily real estate. I oh. just, I'm going heavy in it. Nice. And these returns are amazing. I invest with people that you know I love and trust. And it allows me to scale the roofing business as well. Yeah. Hey, I'll invest in your apartment acquisition, but I'm your roofer. Yeah. You don't talk to other roofers. You don't get other bids from other roofers. In the event your 50-unit complex, 200-unit complex, 2,000-unit complex needs a roof, I'm your guy. So I'll give you my 25 grand. I'll give you my 50 grand. I'll give you my 150 grand, but I'm your roofer. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Great. I'll invest in your fund. And multifamily real estate, your money pretty much doubles in the whole period and the whole periods are anywhere between three to five years yeah depending on the strategy so i go and do um yeah acquisitions of just multifamily apartments where nice they'll buy them as like a c class or a b class and put you know a good amount of capex into it fix it up a bit fix it up a bit sell it hold it for a few years sell it double my money and on to the next so i just go heavy in multifamily real estate and i am a fascinated student of that space yeah i feel like the more i learn the more i listen the more i ask questions the more i study it it is the biggest fucking life hack of all time yeah and that is just my personal opinion and i just keep learning about the game and the process and i'm like what you you get to depreciate it like what i give it goes against my taxable income what yeah you mean if i put this much in and i made this much i really you know goes against this so i pay this much less in taxes are you kidding me yeah and my money grows what yeah why didn't i learn about this 10 years ago crazy tax. and so instead of getting down on myself like man if i would have invested half of what i've done when i started making money five seven eight years ago I'd be worth this much more. I don't focus. I'm just like, I just got to keep going in. Yeah, it's just, it here's is, what I can do now. I mean, this so. world, it is like a game of Monopoly. Whether you like it or not. Yeah. When you play Monopoly, like, you know, if you pick a college thing, you get five more spots. All right, whatever. Yeah. You know what? Just play the game. Yeah. Whether you like it or love it, whether you di- agree or disagree, just play the game. This real estate thing, just play the game. The fact that you, listen, you don't need good credit. Yeah. You don't need a college degree. You don't need a real estate license. You can literally just take money. However you make your money. You could sell condoms, you could sell candy bars, you could sell ice, you could just take money however you make it. Go into a fund. Yeah. But they don't do a background check. <laughs> they don't check your credit. Yeah. They don't do anything. You just take your money, give it to a fund, your money grows and doubles in the next few years. Yeah. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> And the money that you gave goes against your taxable income. Wow. What? That's crazy. So that's what I'm doing. Well, and I mean, people probably approach you all the time with the next best investment. I know yeah. people hit me with that all the time, trying to get me to invest into their yeah. their new shop or their new whatever, all that shit. Mm-hmm. But I mean, real estate is not some trend or some fad that's going away. We've got houses. Our parents had houses. Mm -hmm. Their parents had houses. It's not some shit that's about to go out of style in in a decade, you know? Yeah. So that's incredible. Is there anything else you're looking into to kind of build your wealth and build your portfolio? Not right now. I got to get to your stage first. I got (laughs) to get big time before I start putting my money. But no, I I mean, for now, I just want to keep learning about the real estate thing. Um, Yeah. Eventually, I'd love to have like my own like building. Yeah. Right. Like instead of giving a fund, you know, my money, I would just like to raise my own funds, which I I'm trying to go in that stage. Right. I'm trying to work my way up 
the steps of the multifamily. So yeah. I want to start getting my network of people to contribute towards uh, acquisition and then uh, for someone else's fund because I don't know nearly enough. Yeah, There's like 50 people it takes, 50 different professionals to like acquire an apartment complex. Wow. Like it's a lot. So I, I'm not going to say I'm nowhere close, but I'm pretty far away from yeah, I'm in lot. student phase until I graduate. Um, so eventually I do want to just get my own building yeah. and go into that. Until then, I just got to just stick to what I know. Yeah. Um, I, I understand it. It's an asset that I could like see, I could touch. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to stick to that. But like I said, I went in on that, uh, this lounge in Dallas I'm really excited about. So I think investing, you know, it's just for relationships. You do it with people that you know, you like, and you trust. Yeah. So as I sit here now, if someone that I know a lot, really well, I love deeply, and I trust wholeheartedly comes to me with a phenomenal proposal and I believe in it and them. Yeah. I'll be open to it, whether, whatever it is. Yeah. So I, I I'm open-minded, but if no one came to me with a different type of opportunity, I would just stay in my lane yeah. of the real estate instead of trying to just branch out elsewhere for sure because it's working. So. Well, and something I respect a lot about what you do, this is the new one that I keep fighting off with, my sales reps is this hot new thing where everybody's like, Oh yeah, have multiple streams of income and have multiple streams of income. And that's, yeah. that's awesome. It is. I mean, you've got a couple streams of income, but you built it all from your one primary business yeah. that you pumped your blood, sweat and tears yes. into. And now that you've made, you're making multi millions a year and stuff. Now mm -hmm. you're looking into what other streams of income yeah. can I create? But yeah. do you think people are doing that? the wrong way when they're trying to create multiple streams of income out the gate or what are your thoughts I, on that? It's, it's tough. I, it's tough for me to comment on what other people are doing. Cause I, you know, I, I go to people that have achieved a high level of success and I ask them, Hey, what are you doing? So yeah. I don't really talk to slapdicks around yeah. the corner. Like what are you doing with your money? <laughs> but I will say to your point, like stay in your lane and like, don't ever sacrifice your main, like your main, yeah. like, like for me, I can't do anything in life if I don't sell roofs. Yeah. If I stop selling roofs, if the company stops selling roofs, then I don't have any money to do anything. Yeah. So my objective every day is I wake up like I'm unemployed. And my objective every day is how can I help as many people as I possibly can by getting their roof replaced if they have justifiable hail damage. Yeah. And I go about my day to generate as many possible quality leads and build as many quality relationships as I can. I can never get away from that. Yeah. Until I'm making, you know, until I can live off my residual income, yeah, I can never get away from that. So every single day I'm pursuing that as if real estate doesn't exist. And then when I get paid on my roofing deals, I just keep putting more real estate. Yeah. And I'm just now starting to get paid out these dividends from the real estate and I just keep pouring it back in. Yeah. Right. So if I get a dividend, I'll take a little bit out of it and have fun with it. Yeah but I'll take 75% of that dividend and I'll just keep putting it more right in real estate. Yeah. Right. So that's my whole thing is just to get to myself to a point where I could just hopefully live up my residual income from the real estate, but I'm never going to stop selling roofs. Yeah. I mean, the goal one day is to stop knocking doors. Like, I'm sorry I admit it, but like, yes, yeah, that is the goal. But until then, like I'm beating down doors, man. Yeah. Like dude. And honestly, I think, I feel like I build the respect of my team when they see me out. Definitely. Because I'll never ask my team to do something that I don't do myself. Yeah. So I think it helps when my team sees me and like on the on the front line. Definitely. Going does. at it every day. Definitely. And I'm does. not like posting from a beach every day. Yeah. So, I mean, I travel, I vacation, but listen, I I get after it in the week. Yeah. So I see it, man. I follow you, and that's honestly what made me build so much respect for you. I appreciate it. Because we have a mutual friend, mm -hmm. so I know you're not gonna starve if you don't make that sale that day. I know that. Yeah. I know you're doing great, but to be out there still pounding the pavement and mm -hmm. doing sales, I know that builds a ton of respect with your team. Mm -hmm. Built a ton of respect with me too, because I'm the same way. I so, appreciate that. Yeah. Um, for you, you know when you've built a company to this size and you've had such a transformation in your, your life overall, I'm sure you've learned some serious valuable lessons. So mm -hmm. what are, you know, what's one of the most valuable lessons that you feel like you've had to learn in business that kind of shapes who you are today? I think one of, 
the really big thing that I learned that I personally really developed and gotten drastically better at is kind of removing emotion from a lot of my day to day. Right. If I have a great day, just stay here. If I have a terrible day, just stay here. I think that what helps me, what's helped me develop and learn is once I started reading and opening my mind towards like coaching and counseling from the motivational videos I watch on YouTube to the books that I read, to the podcasts I listen to, like, it's all helping shape and carve my perspective to being at a healthy, sustainable level. Yeah. So the biggest thing is when I started knocking doors 11 years ago, I, and I still get it to this day, but I've had some like nasty things said to me. Yeah. Right? And I'm not here playing a martyr and I'm not here playing the victim. This is the path at which I chose. Yeah. And I will continue to choose this path. But there's good and bad that comes with everything. So what I'm saying to you is that 11 years ago, I, I've been threatened with guns. I've been threatened with knives. I've been threatened, I mean, like verbally harassed. Yeah. But like 11 years ago, that would fuck my mind for a week. Yeah. I mean, I used to have people say, get the, like say nasty, like degrading things to me. Yeah. And that would ruin my mind for like a week. Well, then, you know, a couple years later, it would mess up my mind for like a couple days. And then I started reading all these self-development books. I just got done reading for the second time, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yeah. Which is a um, great read for all you guys listening. Yeah. So different things like that helping shape my perspective. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I do care, but I really don't. If I have a great day, I think that's great. If I have a bad day, I think that's great. It's yeah. all part of the process. When t- someone gives me a GFY, a go fuck yourself at the door. Yeah. All right. Like, I'm closer to a yes. Yeah. Get off my doorstep. All right. I'm closer to a yes. Yeah. Leave me alone. Don't ever come back. Closer to a yes. I had three emails last week from these people saying, why'd you leave? Something on my do- on my door. It said no soliciting. Yeah, I'm sorry for the inconvenience. Right before, are they going to report me to the HOA? Are they going to call the police? Are they going to make a bad review on Google? Are, uh, to me, it's like okay. Listen, do you want me to email them back and say like, you know, I was actually able to help 257 homes because those are the people that had a no soliciting sign on the door that I still chose the knock on the door. Yeah. Why? Because it says no soliciting, but I don't think what I do is soliciting. Yeah, I'm offering a service to them. What's your service? I'm offering a free roof inspection. Yeah. Is that soliciting? I, I, I don't know. Six one way, half a dozen the other. Like, <laughs> I, what is soliciting? Let me, if I was a Girl Scout cookie, and I was standing there with my daughter selling Girl Scout cookies, and I said no soliciting, would you answer the door yeah. and buy a box? Yeah. But I was soliciting. Yeah. If I was campaigning for a politician that you agreed with, would you report me yeah. for no soliciting? Because I was soliciting. Like, dude. It's all it, subjective. Because I'm not fitting your narrative, you don't like it. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, I don't know. It's all like the narrative. So when you yeah. tell somebody something that doesn't fit their narrative, they're going to have a problem with it. Yeah. I go to family parties over the holidays and I'll speak things that don't fit certain family members' narrative and they have a hard, hard time with it. Yeah. And I am very close to my family and we communicate a lot. Yeah. But just like anyone, we love and we die for each other. But like, yeah, we get in some like pretty good like debates. Same yeah. thing with my best friend, my business partner, I debate all the time with. Yeah. But. Oftentimes, you're not fed a narrative you don't like. You're gonna oh now it's a problem. Yeah, right. But the girl sucker cookies are fine. <laughs> but I was I was still soliciting because they're so valuable, right? Of course, yeah, they yeah. So. There's way more value in a Girl Scout cookie than right. a, a roof or yeah. yeah. It's it's bullshit. Yeah. But. So, but yeah, that that kind of how perspective I think has cut, really helped change a lot. And like cutting out a lot of the emotion, I think, is yeah. a skill that tons of people need to learn because mm-hmm. emotions, they just are what they are. Yeah. yeah. If you get a door slammed in your face in the beginning, yeah, it's going to hurt a little bit. Yeah. But that doesn't change anything about the next door. Yeah. That, that doesn't mean anything about whether that next door is going to be a sale or it's going to be another GFY, like mm-hmm. you said. It doesn't, it doesn't make any fucking difference. Yeah. So the best thing you can do is shake that off as quick as possible, yeah. put that smile back on, and That's go it. hit the next one. Yeah, I mean, so. Co- like Kobe said it great. He's like, the process never changes. Yeah. If you play a game, you play great. You're still going to practice yeah. the next day. You're still training. You're still watching film. If you play a game, you don't perform, and you lose the game. You're still going to practice and you're still training. You're still watching film. The process should never really change. Yeah. Yes, you will tweak things along the way, but you have to just stay committed to the process. Yeah. And the perspective now focuses and shifts towards, I had a really bad game. Well, now it's not, I had a bad game. I'm going to have a bad season. I'm going to have a bad career. Yeah. I'm going to have 
low income. Now it's, I had a bad game. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to yeah. be more committed. And I have the rest of the season to get it right. I yeah. have another game to get better. I have the rest of the season to improve. Yep. I'm going to have a great career because I will continue to just keep working at the craft. Yep. Same outcome, completely different perspective can shift your overall success in everything. Yep. I have managed to live a life that I could have never in my wildest dreams manifested. Yeah. All just because I just start shifting my perspective, my perspective and I never got away from the process. Yeah. So it's yeah. incredible, dude. Well, it's been awesome getting to know you. Yeah, I, you shared a ton of great stuff. So uh, anybody who wants to get in touch with you, mm -hmm. what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Definitely Instagram. Um, you know, you know, throw me a follow if you want. But yeah. New View Nick is my uh, Instagram handle, and I'd love to, you know, try to inspire as many people as I possibly can. And you know, I try to be good about posting so you guys can see my day to day. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I say what I do and I do what I say. So I mean, I'm out there. Yeah. You know, twice a day working out, knocking doors, building the company, doing my thing, doing, I see it, doing man. the single dad life. I see it. And having some, try to have some fun too on the side too. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, following you awesome. Honestly, following you, it, it really does pump me up, especially when I see you out doing the sales. I appreciate that. Because I, I know you don't need to do it, but it's just that you're committed to the yeah. process. So yeah. I appreciate so that. At New View Nick, just like yeah. it sounds. Yeah, New View Nick. That's New me. View Nick. Awesome. Yeah. Nick, well, thank you so much. Thank you. Man. And um, let's get you back on the show sometime soon. Yeah, I'm so. excited. Thank awesome. you, man. Thanks, man.